Hey everyone, it's the Loudwire Podcast. My name is Graham. My name is Joe. Joe Yes, sir. And today, we've got a punk legend in the studio uh, from one of my favorite hardcore bands, from one of your favorite hardcore bands, The Bad Brains. The Bad Brains. Did you know it's not the bad in Bad Brains? It's not meant to be like bad and nefarious. It's meant to be like, man, that's that's bad. And HR's here because he's got a new book, Finding Joseph I. Also, we have one of the co-authors of the book, Howie Abrams, in the studio. Great guest. Lots of insight. Uh, you know, it's hard to, to kind of jump around this thing. But, you know, it, HR's just not in the best shape. You know, it, it's hard to... <sighs> pussyfoot. What a stupid term. It's hard to, to dance around that fact. You know, that... The guy is, he's, you know, obviously struggling with his physical and mental health. He's got some really bad issues with headaches. Uh, he's actually about to go in for brain surgery, he, he told us in this podcast, something that we had no idea. He was good. Maintaining we, a positive outlook through all of it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's one thing is, you know, he's, he's very quiet, you know, somewhat subdued. Um, but He seems content, though. Yeah, I guess. Like, with all the stuff that's happened in the past, because anytime that we bring up anything negative from his past, as you'll see, um, and then even outside of this podcast, he was always talking about growth as a person, and really just kind of spiritual growth and bettering yourself for, you know, to make everything else around you pleasant. It's a radiant experience. With him, it always comes back to positivity, which is, I mean, a, a great way to live your life if you're able to, you know, uh, kind of place yourself into that headspace as much as possible. You know, it's obviously very difficult when someone uh, like HR is, is going through uh, physical and mental issues that, you know, would cripple most of us. Uh, but yet he was kind enough to come sit down here and talk a bit about his life, a bit about the stuff that he's going through, about the book. You know, and uh, also Howie, uh, a great, great guest. You know, really, Absolutely. you'll you'll hear him. You can really tell that he understands HR as a person. You know, HR kind of came to us. Whenever people come to us, unless we have prior relationships with them, they're strangers. You know, we know their art. We know their music, but they're strangers. So he uh, is a fantastic addition to this podcast because he really knew how to get HR moving on a subject mm-hmm. and he knew what kind of stuff HR would like to address uh, and he could really engage HR in, in a way that you know only someone very close to him you know yeah. would know how to do so we're so happy that we got him on here to help us out yeah he was able to find a lot of agreeable talking points and then from there that kind of led HR in the right direction and then yeah. he was able to communicate everything he wanted to with us for sure. So a really interesting podcast coming your way with the one and only HR human rights of the bad brains. It's the Loudwire podcast. Get ready to sit down and shout. All right, Loudwire podcast here. We are with two men, one of which goes by many names. Hunting Rod, Human Rights, Mr. PhD, some call him Mr. Exaggeration, some call him Joseph, some call him Paul, 
We all call him HR of the bad brains. And the new book is Finding Joseph I, an oral history of HR from the bad brains. One of the co-authors is here as well, Howie Abrams. Thank you both so much for coming. We appreciate it. Thanks. I'm sorry I only have one name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other ones aren't included in this book. Yeah. Uh, But what I did love about this book was, you know, normally when you see a rock biography or memoir or autobiography that's, you know, about 270 pages, sometimes you kind of uh, expect that, oh, they just kind of half-assed it. You know, I've read so many of these things, and normally when they're this thin, it's like, oh, geez, they really just kind of talked a little they bit about this. They didn't have enough. They just didn't have enough, to, or they just didn't try. <laughs> and But I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this because not only does it delve into a lot of stuff that I just didn't know, and a lot of really interesting stuff, and a lot of, you know, the, the juicy details, and the beginnings of the bad brains, and a lot of your childhood HR, uh, it is completely filled with different perspectives from, you know, HR, your contemporaries, the people who grew up listening to the bad brains, your friends, your family. I mean, it, it really is a really short and dense book that you can enjoy, you know, uh, in a night. Yeah. I'm glad that you, you dug it and you got it that way. It's, um, Listen, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this man, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, James Lathos, who is also the director of the uh, documentary on on HR. Yeah, the companion. We did the book together. And, uh, you know, as fans, I think we tried to put together a book that we would want to read about Mm -hmm. HR. Um, You know, I go way back as a Bad Brains fan, um, since a little longer than James, because I'm a little older than him, but I'm not going to give it away. but uh, I wanted to hear about all the things that you couldn't access, you know, about sure. the band and this this group and this guy who, you know, you you knew stuff about, but there was a lot you didn't know. And uh, and if we could bring out some of the things that people really wanted to know about, that was the goal. That's great. Uh, and, and here's a question for both of you: Were either of you taken back or flattered by any of the contributions uh, from? Again, the contemporaries, the fans. Is there anybody in the book that you were like really happy they they jumped in? Yes, sir. Who was it? Uh, Ross Michaels. Mm. He developed a style of his own, Nyabingi music, out of um, Kingston, Jamaica. He was a he was a big part of your your life for a while, wasn't he? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, uh, how about you? Who who did you enjoy interviewing the most? Who, who do whose perspective really floored you? I mean, I think there's a couple of people's perspective that I really appreciate in the book. So it was interesting to read uh, Ian Mackay's take. Oh, sure. And what's cool is that he does say, like, look, I didn't really know him that well after say 1983. So I'm not going to try to tell you a whole bunch about you right. know HR you know, after that, cause I don't really know. And what was nice is that after he got to read the book, he was able to say, I learned a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know about HR because I really, I was doing other things and minor threat was breaking up. And then we mm. did Fugazi and I'm doing a record label and I, you know, I lost touch with a lot of things, but I think, um, the longtime manager of the bad brains is Anthony County. 
and he was with you so much like throughout your career and so he sort of experienced every twist and turn of hr's career a lot of things just about his life but certainly bad brains mm. um and so it was interesting because he also he doesn't know an awful lot about your solo work you know he knows you did it but he doesn't really know what was going on with you when you made this solo record or you know or or charge or it's about love like he really wasn't a part of that but he was so um interesting um it was very interesting hearing what he had to say when it came to um just all of these different chapters in the bad brains career and this mm. is like spanning decades yeah you know so i thought he was great yeah to, to have someone like him and everyone else to come in and kind of weave that narrative of every part of of hr's life mm -hmm. it's i mean it, Everyone who writes a book will have that stuff for their personal use and then kind of write it in first person or third person or whatever. But then putting it in a just a, a group of little memoirs together gives it a really interesting feel. I think uh, it's also cool because it it proves the influence of the bad brands oh, yeah. getting all those contributions. You always hear about all these bands and, oh, they were so influential and a lot of the books don't really dive into exactly how they were influential, how they shaped other people's music because you don't have them to give that perspective. So it's a lot of people just, you know, telling you their influence back to you. I don't even think you can touch upon all of it either, you know, because sure. there's stuff that, you know, that, that we couldn't even get to probably in the book as far as what you're talking about mm -hmm. because, you know, you have uh, Duff McKagan, right, from mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses. He's like, oh, I saw them on their first ever tour. You know, I went to see one of the other bands and yeah, I'd only just I'd band. only just heard of the Bad Brains. But so I was curious. But then, you know, you have the the Beastie Boys when they were accepting, oh, you know, being inaugurated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm. you know, thanking the Bad Brains like from the podium. And it's just, you know, they felt sort of obligated almost to to make sure that people knew how much that band influenced what they did. And, you know, and people are recognized them largely because of uh, hip hop. And, you know, they were a, a, a punk rock group, you know, playing shows with these guys, you know, yeah, they many decades, right, yeah, many, yeah. many decades earlier. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Bad Brains were nominated uh, for this year's class. Didn't get in, unfortunately. But HR, is that something that surprised you? Yes, sir. Yes, it did. <laughs> did you ever think that uh, a band like the Bad Brains, I mean, really like the first hardcore punk band, to ever be nominated did you ever think that something like that was even possible mm. especially given that at, at the time at, a year ago mm, yeah. at, at that time it was relayed to me by the manager mm -hmm. and uh, that was serious to me and I was glad that they did it but I didn't have any idea no I wasn't expecting that happen yeah when you were younger and you started doing music i think like every kid who picks up a guitar right they're like maybe one day i'll be in the rock and roll hall of fame you know mm -hmm. i guess so yeah did you have any like when you started playing music when you were younger have any kind of dream like that was that was, was important to you yes sir i would say it was important to me because uh 
they got a, a suit of mine. Timothy uh, came to us That's and right. she wanted to put in uh, the Smithsonian yeah. Institute. You know, there's really? a there's yeah, a the there's a photo yeah. of the Bad Brains in the Smithsonian in the new. Wow. Um, african-american history uh, museum the new smithsonian Makes that sense. opened le- less than a year ago i think yeah so when we did the screening of the finding joseph i film in dc i went there the next morning because i had to see the bad brains photo in mm-hmm. the smithsonian yeah and it's it was it's mind-blowing you know like to even have that kind of acknowledgement so i think it, it's you know it's it's interesting that like that that level of I don't know if you, what you want to call it. The, the level of acknowledgement that it's gotten to Dude. is mm-hmm. is uh, not something I think I would have ever expected to see. So you have to be, you know, like had that happen. <laughs> it is pretty nuts. Even Slayer is in the Smithsonian, so, right? <laughs> which is pretty interesting. You got to take a trip there, I think. I, yeah. And uh, one thing that I really wanted to talk about is the PMA, positive mental attitude. And this was coming around at a time where. You know, with the rise of punk music, it was angry. It was rebellious. There was a message of, it was very anti-message. And then, you know, Bad Brains come along and it's just, we're all here together. Let's do the right thing. Let's have a good time. What was it like for you trying to come up in that same punk scene? Obviously, you heard all this punk music that blew you away and you put down the Black Sabbath a little bit. Um, But to take this message and have it contrast all of that music that was influencing you and overwhelming you? Um, <clears throat> I think it was my wife. She had, hmm. had told me about um, food politics and also Chinese medicine and um, how it interconnected with what I was going through physically. And uh, she taught me a whole lot and she took me to the hospital so that I would learn about what was going on in my head because I was experiencing bad headaches at the time and uh, Dr. Lee came to me and he said well we're going to have a, a surgery brain surgery Oh, geez. and so then they'll know about it yeah, when, was, when did this happen? Mm, this happened about Two years ago. Okay. And the surgery is coming up, right? In February? Yes, sir. February 21st. Oh, wow. You're actually having brain surgery? Yes, sir. Oh, no. Is, wow. I mean, is, is that a frightening thing to know that no, it's on sir. the horizon? No. no, no. Wow. I couldn't imagine. But uh, what kind of uh, procedure are they going to be doing? You'd have to talk to Dr. Lee about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so HR has headaches. It's like right. a very very serious sort thing. of advanced type of headache that comes on kind of out of nowhere and it's very debilitating. So right. you know, he finally found a doctor that considered him eligible to for a procedure that could be very helpful for it. So is it experimental still? No, I don't think so. He said he's done it many, many times. Oh, yes, okay. he's done it over two hundred times. And it works. Yes, sir. A and great he has seen an improvement. Oh, great. Can, can you apply like the concept of PMA to a situation like that where you're going to face something huge and that that's something that you can apply, you know, even to a surgery? Absolutely. Yes, sir. I think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anyone who's going into surgery, you need to, I think most doctors will tell you that if you go in with a positive attitude, you're probably more likely to pull out 
healthier than yeah. if, if you're mm-hmm. stressed out and, and negative about what's going on. Yeah, listen, stress can cause, you know, physical. Stress will um, kill you. Yeah. Just full on stresses. Probably the most dangerous thing you can. Well, as you, you know, can see, he's a very stressed out individual. HR is very chill, absolutely. And another thing with um, PMA too is that going back to that negative message that a lot of punk were portraying, or maybe not negative, but just that anti-mentality is very rough and abrasive. And it seems like there's nothing more dangerous, interpret that word how you will, um, than someone with a positive attitude and a mission. Because anger tends to cloud judgment, and anybody who's got an angry message never really seems to be able to see it through. But those with the positive message usually come out on the other side and meet their goal. So what was it like for you now with this surgery coming up? And what is there anything that you're doing to kind of prepare yourself in this state? Yes, sir. There is the something I've been doing. I've been dealing with spirulina and wheatgrass. And also mm. golden seal, and then vitamin A and vitamin D, vitamin C. And uh, I did experience some improvement out of these um, medicines, but they were holistic medicines. Mm-hmm. Sure. So one has to go through it, go through it, and be able to understand what the doctor is talking about and listen to him carefully because modern day medicine was was uh, spread to Ethiopia through Haile Selassie and he said there needs to be modern medicine in Ethiopia and uh, he did put that into position and worked at it. Great. Do you see anyone in a position of power these days preaching positivity? Mm, yes, sir. I, I think I'd have seen people expressing their inner feelings to that preachers and uh, teachers of housing, houses, and using the idea of calling it flip, where they would flip over a house and sign it to new people. And they were growing from that image and it took them out of poverty into prosperity. Okay, so that's a, a positive uh, thing in your mind. Yes, sir, it is. Great. Do you see any politicians that are, are preaching positivity positivity today? Oh, yes. Yes? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Like who? Well, um, <clears throat> there was one. He just left office. And his name is Mr. Obama. Yes, I, exactly. I think I, I would happen to agree with you on that. A lot of positivity was preached by that man. Um, Sense of unity. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the quotes that really stood out to me in this book when you're talking about different uh, violent episodes in the past, it's, I forget who said it, but uh, somebody said that it was as if <laughs> HR's decisions were out of his own hands. Uh, can you speak to, uh, did you feel like during those times where you maybe get lost in a violent episode that that decision wasn't 100% yours? Whew, that's a tough question. Yeah. 
Could you be specific? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, in a uh, in an altercation like you know hitting uh, a manager or a skinhead, you know, uh, on say the Beasties tour, you know, when you were that overcome with anger, did you feel like something else was taking over you? Something you know outside of your own will almost. Well, I would say um, yes, and I had a lot to learn in life. Yeah. And it helped me to learn. But uh, physical, being physical doesn't have anything to do with it. One has to first take out the Babylon inside of their heart, and then one can then go through experiences without being negative. Great. Uh, one thing I'd love to talk about is when Republican presidents tend to come into office, you tend to see this rejuvenation of punk rock music because a lot of people tend to be angrier during those times. <laughs> you know, of course, in the 80s, Reagan, and you had the hardcore movement kind of spawn out of that. A lot of people really uh, connected with that music because of their anger with the establishment. And then H.W. Uh, Bush... George W. Bush, there was a bit of a punk resurgence there, too. Um, do you see punk rock coming back stronger than ever now that Donald Trump is president? Women, yes. Women? Yes. They just had a rally of sisters in Washington. Absolutely. And uh, the sisters talked about positive things. They were um, women. Hillary. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton was um, another one of those sisters that knew the politician wouldn't wouldn't get over. And uh, there were four f fires in uh, Washington, D.C. the other day, mm -hmm. and people were rioting. Right. And they, they don't want to see Trump in office at all. Yeah, I mean, riding is as fucking punk rock as it gets, right? It's, it's I mean, that's the the non musical equivalent in a way. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's power violence. I don't know, but it's like the infest of. But, but I mean, as far as music goes, yeah, because what HR just described that went on in D.C. on inauguration day. It's like, I hope people throw some musical tantrums like that, too. I'd rather see people express themselves in, in that way. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the anarchists out there, you know, breaking windows. I think stuff. a good example would actually be Pussy Riot. Pussy like Riot's that. a great, great, great example. Yeah, I mean, what they, I mean, just think about what they were doing in Russia a couple of years ago. Like, they didn't know this was going to go viral and they're going to get arrested and there's going to be people all over the world trying to and do benefits to, years. right, trying to, you know, raise bail for them and get them out of jail. And, you know, to them, it was a small act, you know, it was mm -hmm. like they made a little bit of music and they made this wacky video and they probably assumed they were going to get in trouble for it. Um, the one they made in that church. But, yes. but, you know, basically, you know, I don't think they expected the impact that it had. And, you know, I just think it, we're in a, we're living in kind of a very cushy, safe time when it comes to edgy music sometimes that yeah. people are just kind of a little too comfortable. And, you know, I think 
for a band to resonate and stick around for a really, really long time as the Bad Brains have, like that we're sitting here this many years later and there's just an HR book coming out and we're sitting here talking to him about things he's done for decades. You know, it's, you have to, you have to take chances. You have to go there. And I just don't know how many bands are really, you know, willing to go there. I want to be wrong about that, but I'm not seeing an awful lot of, you know, musicians, you know, I mean, it's easy to just sort of, yeah, it's very calculated. It's easy to say something at an interview or put it on your social media or whatever. But there's people that, you know, you got to like walk the walk a little bit, you know? And, uh, and I'd love to see more of that. And I hope that the next four years brings that about, you know, where people, you know, not only feel like screaming, but scream something that people need to hear you know not just fuck you but fuck you why don't we do this instead well there's a great audience on both sides right now because there's the audience who probably is craving that kind of music to speak to what they're feeling in you know uh their disapproval of what's going on and then there's also the audience on the other side who are ready to just attack like a lefty punk band or whatever with just like surgical precision you know whether it's just online or in person you know there's a lot of super angry people out there who will start some stuff like in response to anything that's against their views so that's well listen i mean with with what we're talking about if if what we're describing does start to come about in the next bunch of years Mm -hmm. listen screwdriver records are going to be get bigger too (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like you know but there's going to be you know, people who are looking for that to counter what we're talking about, yeah. you know, and that's how it existed in the first place is that punk, you know, was doing its thing in England, you know, in, in the seventies. And then people got tired of that, you know, and mm-hmm. being like, Oh, that became like art school, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And so you had this whole oi movement, you know, that, oh, of course, that yeah. was much more of like a street level thing, but it was also, you know, kind of a certain type of politic, right? And it, mm-hmm. it's it's not exclusively, but it, it, it attracted that type of audience, you know? And there was a lot of that going on. And it's, you know, it's it's generational and it's all that. And then you have, you know, a resistance records, you know, down yeah. the line. And, you know, who knows what it's going to be now? Because, like, we're hoping that some great bands come out of this, like being angry. For well, sure. it's going to be fucking white people real angry too. And they're going to do some shitty stuff. You know, it's a real shame. There's this punk band called gloss oh i know them they broke up they broke up and that's a damn shame right now because they were so they were the one band putting it out there i think of the last couple of years they were the ones you know uh for those who don't know a a transgender punk band Mm -hmm. who are making incredible music and actually speaking uh to a lot of different people as actual outsiders they were like a love them or hate them like you know no nobody in the middle you love this band or you hated this they absolutely would have been the band to piss off everybody and to make amazing music while doing it so it's it's such a shame that but you just hope like you don't have to like place all of that weight on one band right like yeah god i hope that this isn't the only thing we have there there is to talk about but i think gloss if they proved one thing is that there's a space for it. Oh yeah. There's a space for that band to come through and that space should be opening up too. Well, it is now that gloss is gone. Yeah. And that again, I, 
heartbroken that they're gone. They're really, like, they were a really good band too. And yeah. that was the difference too, is that there was the message, but like they were a fucking really aggressive, like interesting band. Yeah. You felt you know? something. Yeah. When you heard it's it. like it God, moved you. Yes. You know, and it wasn't just the message, but the music was subpar mm-hmm. or vice versa. It was actually, you know, like it was a package. Yeah. And if we don't get any music, I'm sure Henry Rollins is just going to do a bunch more talking. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll keep talking. Were you friends with Henry back in D.C.? Yes. Because he was around with Ian a lot, right? Yes. Yeah. So, because um, I know Ian really does credit the Bad Brains, right? For, yes, he does. For, for even for, starting a band. Well, for even influencing you know? the straight I think Henry edge. would say the same thing. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And Ian hates the what's happened with Straight Edge. Does he? Yeah, he just... Hmm. To him, he's just like, man, I just wrote a fucking song. <laughs> like, and now it's like this thing and it's all over the world and I'm responsible and I hate people who drink. And I hate, he's yeah, like, I yeah. didn't say any of that. Yeah, the, they did take that a bit crazy. He's like, I didn't realize I was like, you know, the at the podium for straight edge. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't, that wasn't it. I was just talking about myself. Yeah. There's a funny article I saw on that website, The Hard Times. No, the best. <laughs> it was like, straight edge friend. A scumbag in every other possible right, way. Right. <laughs> like, I think right. we all know someone like that. But HR, um, you know, in that vein, when you think of yourself being the person who really uh, put PMA on the map and gave a lot of people that ideology, does that make you happy? Yes, sir. It, it does. does. It so does. you know, I guess the the opposite of what Ian Mackay feels about you know the the little revolution that he spawned. Yeah, I think he's kind of glad about it, but he's just like, it just took on such a different life. Yeah. You know, that I'm like, I didn't expect that. And I'm not all that psyched about it because if a straight edge kid does this, it's my fault. Oh, yeah. You know? Sure. He's um, a point, man. Right. So it's hard to argue with somebody goes, does something positive because they believe in the idea of PMA. You're probably not going to have a downside to that. Yeah. HR, do you see the, the PMA mindset? Um, do you see it as basically the same kind of thing as you brought up, you know, back in those early Bad Brains records? Um, yes. I think people yes, are sir, interpreting it the mm-hmm. same way that you are? Well, a lot of people have grown since then mm. and went into their own scene. But uh, for the Bad Brains, our mind power for us, it does hold a formula that we have lived by through the years and that's good absolutely and the the term mind power comes from the book as well right the napoleon hill book so even the first band before bad brains called mind Mind power Power, comes straight from that book as well totally Uh, another really interesting part of the book uh you know now that we're speaking about politics is a little part about ronald reagan about uh believing that he was the antichrist because uh, Ronald is six letters, his middle name, six letters, and Reagan is six letters. Yeah, I don't six, know six, if you six. buy into that, but does, did that, was that like the way it was for you? Like, did you, did you have a particular opinion about Ronald Reagan specifically at that time? About him being a negative influence? No, nah, because I wasn't into politics. No. We weren't into political expressions. Uh, yeah, and so mind you, that, that information is not from him. Right. So it's from mm-hmm. someone else. So a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on HR and the history of bad brains. So it's an interesting... Was that a, like a black Israelite 
uh, I don't position. know. I don't know. I think like, I don't know if it's something that, this was Mark Anderson, right, who, who said that in the book, that he was looking at, you know, the way you may have viewed that period of time, the Reagan years, and, and Ronald Reagan specifically, and that there was, you made more out of it at the time, you know, that Reagan specifically was this bad guy, you know. Um, <clears throat> Mark had said that something happened to me that I've changed a lot, and uh, I think he meant musically we had changed and for him, that was such a great change from mm. rock and roll to reggae. And then seeing me grow dreadlocks, I think for him, it was just a little too extreme. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He must love the God of Love th- record then. But, yes, sir. But yeah. I think you're, that's a good point because I, I think that's a point of time, a point in time for you where I think a lot of people don't understand that stuff because it's a religion and it's, you know, it's a very, uh, it's an old religion and it's very specific. And, you know, it's something that people, you know, they get into Bob Marley and then suddenly they, they smoke some weed and they think they're Rastas. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so that happened a lot for years and years and years. But you really delved into this. You embraced this religion and you know it became such a huge part of your life and i think that's a very misunderstood part of your life like what you were just saying that mark like didn't understand that stuff and thought it was extreme so he took what he thought you were thinking to an extreme too and i think that happens a lot you know like you hear a little story about someone and suddenly you, you yeah, put your own oh, take try to rationalize it, you know? it within our own understanding and i think that happens somebody. to you a lot you know, a lot of people like put their spin on what they think HR is about, mm. which is why I think it was so important to have all these voices in the book. Sure. Because even within a chapter, you can see that different people will say something completely different about the same topic. You that know, represents life. Yeah, but that's it. That's mm. how life goes. You know, mm-hmm. it's that. But only he knows. <laughs> only HR does. Yeah. And now, speaking about going from punk rock and roll over to reggae, there was a period of conflict where you felt that punk was the devil's music and reggae was God's music. What was it like trying to let go of punk music having been such a huge part of your past? It was a difficult change. A lot of people didn't understand why, and they wanted to embrace rock and roll and call it their music. And uh, badness brings sadness. So only John knows if you have the captain, wear it. And uh, reggae music was a rebel sound for rebels. But it wasn't rebellious to be rebelling against God, but being a rebel in the soul and taking out the negativity and being a rebel onto your negativity and and find out the best way you can relate to it. So you felt that in, in order for you to grow, the way to help yourself along in that process was to switch more heavily involvement into reggae music? It depends on the individual because some people are into Buddha, 
Some people are into Hare Krishna. Some people are into Allah. So it's not for us to judge them. Judge not. Um, We're looking for soldiers now to start job organization and such a long time that they've been reaching out to Africa and uh, we just hope we can be that generation that does get a chance to visit Africa and see the site for ourselves. As someone who believes so much in positivity, when you thought that, uh, when you came to the, the belief that punk was maybe a negative influence, was it difficult to think that maybe you had brought negative influence? No, sir, I don't. Good. I'm glad because you definitely didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> so There was never a point where you thought, oh, I br- I'm brought negativity, you know, because of punk rock. Never felt that way. No, sir. Okay. Not at all. Awesome. Another part of the book that uh, was almost, you know, like a, a foretelling of what was to come was when you said, HR, that you thought that music should be free, you know, because music is a gift from God. We're reading that in the book. Uh, and of course, now we're in an age where a lot of people don't pay for music. You know, they just download it and get it for free. So what do you think about that change? Do you see it as positive? Um, One has to remember the uh, free attitude. And sometimes one can be so free that they just receive and move on with their responsibilities in life. So we have to remember being free is not an extreme. And uh, to let freedom be with them but not be apart from them so do you think music music is a part of that freedom yes mm-hmm. yeah so uh i know that for a long time uh you having money problems and you were homeless and just going from you know friend to friend's house to friend's house you know was it at all frustrating uh when the music industry changed and suddenly nobody's making money from selling albums anymore well they say vinyl's on the rise vinyl's absolutely vinyl's projected on the rise. to be a billion dollar industry so we're on on yeah. the way to find out so, i got my wife a few decent uh reggae albums and on uh, vinyl yeah yeah one of them was the whalers oh great and another one was john holt who got who the turntable? Did you buy her the turntable and for I Christmas? Turntable. <laughs> there's an amazing, I'm not going to give out all the information, but there's an amazing um, Instagram post from his wife mm-hmm. where he had just given her the turntable and you put the Whalers record on and they're dancing in the house. Oh. And it's <laughs> so great. And uh, she's so happy to have gotten this thing. And you look as happy as she does. Yeah. And she got the gift. Um, but it's, that's amazing. And, uh, so he's, he's walking it cause it's, you know, I saw this, this incredible moment happen and it actually relates to vinyl. For sure. And so you went and got her these records, right? It's amazing. Yeah. There's magic in vinyl. Those, those old analog recordings are something a little magical in there. It's nothing better. No, not at all. Nope. Thank you both for sitting down with us. We so appreciate your time. Uh, HR, Howie, Abrams. Get the new book, Finding Joseph, I, 
it's available now. All the stories that you need to know about the bad brains, about HR. Pick it up now. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, there he is, HR from the Bad Brains and Howie Abrams, co-author of the new book. You can get it now. So as you could hear, you know, HR, uh, a quiet man, a man of few words at times. Says a lot with a little. Yeah, he does. One thing that um, anybody listening to this podcast won't be able to tell is when we mentioned the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Bad Brains getting the nomination, his face was illuminated. <laughs> And it was, wasn't it? He yeah. didn't even need a word to communicate what he was feeling just getting that nomination. I mean, you look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the amount of acts that have not been inducted that are shoe-ins yeah. is absurd. Yeah. And then you get a band like Bad Brains, and you when, I remember when they announced all the nominations, I was just like, no way! <laughs> yeah, I, a- they, they can't acknowledge all these basic acts, and then they dig deep and they find something so unique and specific like the bad brains and if anything even if they never get in getting them in the nomination at least puts that name out in front of so many people who probably never heard it before if the only hardcore punk band to i think ever be nominated i can't think of another hardcore punk band not the dead kennedys not the descendants not black flag like none none of those guys have even been considered so the fact that the bad brains got nominated even it sends a good message that at least they're an important band. You know, it could just be a cultural thing. You know, a bunch of black guys came to revolutionize hardcore and mix reggae and punk rock into this fusion that, like, was a little revolution in Washington, D.C. So even if it's just for that reason, it is a good one. It speaks to the importance of the band. Yeah, and as they said, you know, the bad brains are in the Smithsonian (laughs) (laughs) which is great but you know i think the only punk bands you know ramones clash the sex pistols denied their their inauguration another thing i thought was interesting is when we were talking about uh, the free music Mm, and he was saying the way that he was talking about freedom was very different than i think the way a lot of people perceive the word freedom right and kind of when you're taking in this music for free you're also supposed to be giving something back from your own time, from your own energy, because this was provided for you from somebody else's talent and their energy. No, it's up to you to repay that right, in we, one form or another. We think of free music as like, oh, here's a free thing. A financial thing. <laughs> yeah, here's a free financial thing. We evaded, you know, the credit card companies by getting this, you know, in a sketchy website in Russian. Mm. Uh, but then HR had a completely different idea of what freedom and free music is. And it's like, that that actually was one of the answers that really blew me away. And I was like, whoa, like, this guy really has a different thought process than, than it, anyone who was in the room at the time. Yeah, it makes you kind of want to go back and look at quotes from him and reevaluate what he's saying, trying to take a different angle from it, or just look at all these different ways that a word can be subject to interpretation. So hopefully, listening to this podcast, you got a different understanding of Mr. HR from the Bad Brains. Thank you all so much for listening to this edition of the Loudwire podcast. Make sure you go to loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Graham Wire. You can follow me on Twitter at Ice Nerve Shatter. I need to up my post, man. I'm not too busy on <laughs> You're Twitter. You're not getting many followers? Because uh, I'm not really posting. Well, that'll happen. Yeah, I need to post more. I trust you. I'm a good follow. I don't clog up your newsfeed. <laughs> no, you're not. You just admitted you're not a good follow. No, I don't clog up the newsfeed, man. It's only the most essential, vital thing What's the last that thing I'm you posting. posted? Um, might have been the Rex Brown podcast. If that goes... If that's just... still my last post by the time <laughs> this goes up, then yeah, maybe maybe don't. Yeah. Nah, you still should. Joe's Who knows going. when I'm going to come back? Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Play to your good right now.